All right, everybody. Good morning. Special welcome to you if you're new. Good to see you again if you're not. Uh, if you'd like to stand with us, we'll, we'll pray and we'll sing our first song together. Lord Jesus, we come to you because of you. Thank you for buying our access to you and thank you that you are able to help us as we came in in the seats that we sit. Help us to hear your word. Grant us ears that hear, eyes that see, minds that understand, and hearts that believe. Sanctify your word in us today as we receive it, and may we receive it. And help us to understand the significance of the things that you have accomplished and to be stirred. May our affections for Christ be stirred as we, as we look on him and hear from him. Because that's what happens when we hear your word. You speak to us. Pray for our pastor today as he is the transmitter. And may your people be communicated with. May we leave with joy and hope and reverence. It's wonderful how you are active in your church and thank you for all of these whom are here and we sing together and say together in jesus name amen and with us sing oh praise him hallelujah thou burning sun with golden beam thou silver moon with softer gleam oh praise him oh Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. I 
washed by his blood. Come and rejoice in his great love. Oh, praise him. Hallelujah. Christ has defeated every sin. Cast all your burdens now on him. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. seated kids you're dismissed Josh is waving at me, and he's not being friendly. It was, a, it was actually a friendly wave. It was a friendly reminder. Um, you know, when you go on vacation, it really is kind of like a transitional time when you come back. You're still trying to kind of find your groove again. And uh, I think I'm still doing that a little bit. Uh, it was uh, uh, always such an epic experience to be able to spend time with the family and drive out west and to drive uh, 80 miles an hour uh, you know, legally, uh, which is nice, and some people drove even faster than that, which is even nicer for some. Uh, so much about that experience was so memorable, it just kind of etches itself in your mind. And that's what I enjoy about taking a vacation, is that it's such a unique experience that is uh, a whole set of circumstances that's completely different than anything that you've gone through perhaps before, or maybe revisit it, and, and like going to the beach or something, and, 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 it, and it always is a way of just suspending 
life as you know it and enjoying the beauty of God's creation. Now, when Luke is telling the story that we're getting ready to move into, he recognizes that um, uh, God is, in, is, is doing something different. He's changing it up. And as people are recording all these activities, they're basically saying, this has never been done before. This is one of those things that just has never happened on the storyline of, uh, of God's people. And according to their radar, uh, they've just never seen anything like it. And it's been a privilege to be able to explore that with you as we've gone through, Luke. Do you ever feel like, because I've never done a message series this, this uh, long before, uh, it, it almost feels like I'm binge-watching a program on Netflix. Anybody ever do that? Okay. Um, perhaps uh, if you haven't, uh, it, is, it can be addicting if you find a good show that uh, you want to watch from season one to season 10 or whatever the case may be. Sometimes you just can't put it down. And Luke has definitely been that way for, for me uh, because it has been such a unique experience that we've been able to enjoy together uh, and inhabit that space in a way that um, I've never inhabited that space in the gospel before. Uh, so as we begin to look at what is in front of us today, I want to tune our hearts and our minds to him. Um, and, uh, but I also want to uh, take this time uh, and just briefly solicit any praises, since we've just sang a, 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 really a, a, a beautiful expression of praise to the Lord, or any prayer concerns. Anybody have anything on your heart today that um, you want to lift up before the Lord in, in his house? Yeah, Joe Carroll. Uh, who, who's that again? Stephen Casey. Okay. Okay, very good. That's a great report. Anyone else? Robin? Okay. 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 Right. All right. What's your stepdad's first name? Okay. Pray for Larry as he's having a pacemaker procedure done tomorrow. Cliff? Yeah, well, you were being lifted up by a lot of people on Thursday, so we were glad that the report went well, okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, that's right. We, you've had a rough season the last few years, and we just want to see you get back into that space where you're able to do those things that, that are so familiar to us. Anyone else? Diane? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Judy Halverstadt. Okay. Fallen with a blood clot. Pray for her. Patty Pym. Okay. 
Okay. Oh. Okay, so Casey Dale has MS, just having a very difficult season right now. Want to keep her lifted up. Anyone else? I know we got a lot. So obviously, boy, I, I'm gone for two weeks. So I miss a lot. Um, I, we're just going to go ahead and, uh, and, and, and take a little time here. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Christine. Oh, congratulations, you guys. And then, and, then, and then you said, honeydew, and then he said, uh, just tell me what na- what's next. Okay. Carol? No? Okay. Hey, all right. Marie? Okay. Please uh, keep uh, Marie's uh, son, Brian, lifted up in prayers. He's going through uh, his own season of uncertainty right now. Okay, well, let's just take this moment and, oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Sorry to hear that. Okay, let's go ahead and pray then, shall we? Father, as we gather in your presence, both physically and in spirit online, Lord, we've taken a little bit of time to just uh, gather up all of these concerns that have been brought into this room. And even if there's people online who are watching today and, and you need to express a prayer concern, please just let us know. But as we lift up what is in our hearts and our minds right now, We just pray for all the lives that have been mentioned, the struggles that are being faced, and we ask, Father, that you would work an act of compassion and healing in the lives that need it so much, and I just pray, Father, that as uh, as we lift up um, situations with blood clots and pacemakers and families grieving over the loss of loved ones, we pray, Father, that you would just touch each of these situations in the way that only you can through your spirit and enable accordingly. We thank you for being with, with Cliff and for so many other prayer requests that have turned into praises that we want to glorify your name and follow through on our prayers with an expression of gratitude. Uh, so thank you, Father, uh, as we pray and as we wonder and that season of uncertainty that you have shown up and helped in so many ways and given us strength and courage for the road ahead. Thank you for the celebration of anniversaries that are a reminder of the covenant that we have together with you and with each other and the ways that you sustain that covenant when we make it with you. And so just pray for your blessing upon every marriage here and everyone that's potentially moving into that direction, that, that covenantal uh, foundation uh, would be affirmed and celebrated. Father, as we prepare to uh, just engage your word and hear it from you, I just ask that you help our hearts and our minds to be open to you, to receiving what it is that you're doing in our lives. And I ask, Father, that um, 
we take the priorities of the Lord's Prayer and we embody them ourselves as we, as we pray that prayer together. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, as we move into the book of Luke, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, please take a look at Luke chapter 9. And we're going to be exploring verses 1 through 17. And as we move into this text today, I, I, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen somebody do something, and as they did it, you said, I can do that? My first experience with that was watching my mom as a beautician cut people's hair. And she did it so easily and so quickly that I told myself, you know what? I think I can do that to myself. And the aftermath of that was never touch my scissors again, and never do that again. Well, sometimes our imaginations tend to outrun our ability to execute. And as I got older, I remember seeing somebody ride a unicycle, and they made that look real easy. And I thought, well, I can do that. I have good balance. And I remember getting on it and uh, falling on my face and thinking, wow, there's a gap between what I think I can do and what I see other people doing and me trying that. And I recently had a conversation with a friend who became a new homeowner. And he says, my dad never taught me how to repair anything in a house. And here I am, and I'm an hour removed from uh, my home, and I know that uh, he's not going to be here at my beck and call to do the things that I normally would, uh, would ask him to do. The result of that, because of the benefit of YouTube University, he said, uh, I needed to do a little bit of um, work on the, um, on the finishing, and I looked at YouTube, and it showed me exactly how to install a bathroom vanity, and not only that, uh, all the things that have to do with an upgrade of a bathroom, and he felt pretty good about that. And uh, he was sharing all the things that he learned on YouTube and that he, trial and error, learned to do himself. And as we were talking, he said, the next big area that I want to explore is electricity. And I said to him, you probably want to get mentored into that experience by somebody who really knows what they're doing beyond YouTube. And as you think about that for a minute, there are things that we can do. We watch other people, we learn, and we are able to surprisingly do them and learn to be confident in them. And there are some things that we can't do without the help of other people. And Jesus is looking at 12 people, and he's saying to himself, I need to teach these 12 people, and actually many more, to do the things that I'm doing. And so I'm going to show them for a while exactly what it is like to minister and to serve others and to show compassion and to, in, in a sense, bring the kingdom to bear upon the lives of other people. 
And Luke says, I'm going to show you what Jesus did for the disciples for about eight chapters. And now it's time for them to start doing it themselves. And this is one of those moments that's a really uh, a hinge moment in the book of Luke, where all the activities that we've seen up to this point have been performed by Jesus and witnessed to by his followers. And I know a lot of them are starting to think, well, that can't be that hard. Or they're starting to think, with Jesus' help, we can do this. And Jesus is saying, let's begin. And so what we read in Scripture in Luke chapter um, 11, it says, or chapter uh, 9, rather, is, and, okay, we got a little bit of a, of a distortion on here, so I'm going to read it from here. Um, and he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all diseases, all demons, and to cure diseases, which is essentially what Jesus has been doing up until, up until now in front of uh, the twelve. And he says, it's game time. You're on. It's, you've been on the bench and now you're in. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, and do, do not have two tunics. And whatever, you're, whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. And that had to have been a glorious moment for Jesus to say that after all of this time, I am sending you out to do those things that I'm hoping that you're catching on and begin to do yourselves. And as Jesus is looking at them, well, some things are happening in his own life that are requiring him to engage them in the process. There's a storm getting ready to hit. And when we were driving out west, we were in the plains of South Dakota. Anybody ever been in the plains of South Dakota? I mean, not only can you drive fast, but it's a good thing you can drive fast because you can just see for miles and miles and miles pretty much empty space. And as Manny and I were driving in, in my car, um, we were following the kids in the Forerunner, and um, they were driving, you know, very confidently towards this storm. And I'm looking at the storm that's emerging on the, on the horizon. I'm looking on my phone at the radar, and I'm saying, I think we're going to drive right into this. And I don't know what storms are like on the plains this side of the Rocky Mountains, but it might get real interesting. And she said, well, how far do you think that storm is uh, off from where we are now? And I said, it looks like it's just a couple of miles. Well, we drove about 10 miles before it even looked like it came close. But the closer we got, the more we could even see that it had, it had moved a little bit uh, to the, um, to, to, it would have been to the south. And I thought, well, perhaps we're going to be able to drive around this only to discover that the road also was turning to the south, right to the middle of the storm. And I was thinking, I wonder if there's another road we can hit. But the fact of the matter is you have to go where the road leads you. And we eventually found ourselves 
there, were, there was no traffic, then all of a sudden there's semi-trucks, and they're going real slow with flashers on, and the storm is hitting, and I'm just praying, please don't hail, please don't tornado, please don't do anything that's going to wind us up in the ditch. And it was a little harrowing for a few minutes. Uh, part of it was just your imagination working overtime, trying to discern exactly what this is going to be. And then when you're embedded in it, you're thinking, I just got to get through this. And then when it's over, you're like, well, that wasn't hard. And that is exactly, I think, what these guys are in for. And Jesus is the only one who can see far enough to recognize that there are storm clouds on the horizon. And as Luke is writing this, he's wanting to show a little bit of foreshadowing of where he's going to be taking Jesus for the next 10 chapters. And it's a very brief period of time near the end of Jesus' ministry that this unfolds, and it ultimately concludes with a dramatic event that happens in Jerusalem right around when we celebrate Easter. So that's a little bit of a clue. But here's the storm clouds on the horizon. Luke says, after what we just heard, which was so exciting, now Herod the Tetrarch. Now you know every time Herod shows up in the story, it's not good. And Luke is saying, Herod heard about all that was happening and he was scratching his head, perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others, one of the prophets of old had risen. And Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him, as in, who is this Jesus? And it wasn't that he was interested in the, sh in the spectacle or even the entertainment. It ran a little bit deeper than that because you remember when Jesus was just barely out of the womb and there was a Herod that showed up? And do you remember his intentions? They weren't good, and it ultimately meant to a sudden family vacation to Egypt until things calmed down, and then they came back. And here it is, Luke is saying, yeah, somebody knows, and somebody's not happy. And he just kind of inserts that in the middle of the story, because on the other side of it is what happens when the apostles return, and they tell him all that they had done. And they're like, you would not believe it, Jesus, what just happened in, in the lives of the people that we were with. Everything that you were doing, we were able to do, and it was amazing. And Jesus is thinking about what's getting ready to happen as the storm clouds on the road ahead are showing harbingers of bad things, while at the same time, he's very excited about the disciples tuning in to the things that he has called them to do. If you've ever started a business, 
you know that you can't do it all. Now, maybe initially you started out, but then you need an accountant, and then you need some workers who will do some of the labor for you, and you need somebody to be an administrator, and you need somebody to drive the business into new opportunities. Uh, and then probably you need a lawyer and you need an accountant too, but we won't go there. Jesus recognized that he is not a one-man show, but everything that he is trying to accomplish on behalf of his kingdom purpose has to be done through the lives of his followers if it's going to be done at all. And that's where Luke is taking us here because this is really not so much about Jesus right now, but what's front and center are the lives of the people who are following Jesus, taking note and trying to, if you want to compare it to an enterprise, trying to take the enterprise of the kingdom and make it successful. And so when the apostles returned and they told him all that they had done, he took them and, and, and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had a need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But then he said to them, you give them something to eat. Now, you probably have heard the story, you know the story, but put yourself into that moment. And you're not thinking about the miracles of Jesus, you're thinking about what did he just say? We don't have anything to give to them to eat. And yet he's saying, you give them something to eat. Now, a minute ago, we read about them going into all these places, and Jesus said what? Don't take this, don't take that, don't take any provisions, don't bring an extra coat, don't bring any food, just rely upon my provision on the road. And they did, and it went well. But now Jesus is saying, provision is also the theme of the day, and it's not showing up. And it's really kind of a critical moment, not only for them, but I think for you and I. Because when we participate in the things of the Lord, we have to recognize something very fundamental that's happening here. And that is how it works and how it doesn't work. And in the course of this message, I want to explore our response to the way Jesus moves in our lives, in our church, and perhaps the ways that he doesn't, and highlight the difference. But let's just continue on for a second. But they said, but um, he said, uh, they, they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we're to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men, and that's not mentioning the women and the children. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 each. And they did so. And some of you are doing the math, and I don't know what that math is, but it's a lot of groups. And he had them all sit down, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all, they, 
Who ate? Everybody. And they were satisfied. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, we're going to feed you. And then have you ever been to a place where they feed you and uh, they promise you all this stuff and then you just get a real tiny portion? And after you leave, maybe it was a special event or something, and you say, you know what, we need to get some fast food on the way home. None of that. It was enough, more than enough. And what was left, he picked up, what was left over uh, uh, was picked up, and 12 baskets of broken pieces uh, were remaining. And that's the picture. And you can read that real quickly and say, oh, Jesus did a miracle. That means that he was the Messiah. But that's not Jesus' point. Jesus is trying to show his disciples not only what we talked about last week, where faith is a bold move into an unknown or an uncertain future based on reliable information. You, you heard that before? And he's basically said, as your faith is unfolding, this is where the vision or the YouTube video or however you want to look at it, it's personal. And you have to see what is going on because this is essential for the unfolding of my kingdom purpose the reason why I came, it is really going to happen, not so much through me, but through you. And Jesus has to make that point with his disciples. And he's going to spend, Luke's going to spend the next 10 chapters basically making that point with them. And as we're coming alongside them, God is asking you the question, whenever you have done something for me or in my name, how many times have you asked me to help you Versus how many times have you just went and done it? And it could be uh, something like volunteering to show hospitality here. It could be something like preaching a sermon, teaching a, a group of people, volunteering in the kids' ministry, or deciding to do something bold at work as a good Christian. And as you're doing those things, if you are not doing them in the name and the strength and the power of the Lord, it is just you trying to do something good for the Lord. And Jesus is wanting to show them that the, everything that we do has to be resourced in him. So it all begins with the question, who is Jesus to you? Who we believe Jesus to be will determine how we live out our lives in relation to him. Now, I've known people who have been raised in the church, and they've been taught the habits of coming to church on Sundays, taking the Lord's Supper, even getting baptized. But when you ask them, what is your daily life like in relation to the Lord? Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord? Do you talk to the Lord whenever you are going through a crisis situation? Do you talk to the Lord when you're triggered to be angry? Do you talk to the Lord whenever you are facing a dilemma and you need wisdom? Do you talk to the Lord whenever you're going into an uncertain work situation and it could potentially go well or not go well? And any situation imaginable, 
do you talk to the Lord? Now, many of us will say, yeah, when I saw that storm coming, I said, God, please help me. Have mercy on me. And some of you may say, whenever I had um, a a very serious disease that I didn't know if it was going to be curable or not, I kind of talked to the Lord and asked the man upstairs for help. And other people will look at their lives and say, yeah, in those moments of desperation, I talk to the Lord. But most of the time, I don't. And if you don't, perhaps God is asking you to take another look and to use this little vacation that we have through Luke, if you want to call it that, as a way of looking at our own lives, our own relationship to to God, to the church, to everything else, and ask the question again, is Jesus active in all of this? Am I depending upon him in all of this? Who is Jesus to me? And I've had people tell me, look, I'm not a churchgoer, but I believe in Jesus. And that's kind of where it ends. And I've heard other people say, I believe in Jesus, but when I ask them, do you rely on him and lean on him and walk with him daily, they'll say, not really. And I think a lot of it has to do with our understanding of who he is. Because his goal is to be very relational in the process. When he chooses the 12, he spends all of this time with them, experiencing them, experiencing life with them. And when he calls us into his kingdom, into his world, he essentially wants to do the very same thing. Now, one of the challenges that we faced post-pandemic-ish is the fact that we've kind of habituated some of us to to basically just look at the content of what we produce online in terms of the messages and and things of that nature and the teachings and music and all of that. And it can just be, well, you know what? I've observed the content and now I've gone to church and it is all good. And there are a lot of people who've gotten into the habit of just saying, I can do my faith on my couch. And I'm not trying to be derogatory. I'm not trying to be condemning as much as I am trying to show that there's much more to that. Because Christianity is about the content of the gospel, and we read about it as we read the scripture. And it begins to shape our thinking, doesn't it? But have you ever thought about Christianity as something that you experience? Have you ever thought about it in terms of each day What is my experience with God? What does that look like? And even as we gather for church, have you ever thought about the fact that God is saying, I do want you to hear the sermon or the teaching or, uh, you know, engage in the music, but that actually isn't the only facet of of this life. I also want you to experience serving me. I want you to know what it is like to be a disciple. And if you look at Jesus as just simply my Savior that I worship, that definitely is a very powerful part of what life is like with him. But if you take it beyond that to, he's the Lord of my life. He is the one who I obey 
And I don't do so reluctantly, but I do so as a privilege because obeying him means that I am right with God and I am right with the people around me and I have the Holy Spirit flowing through fruit that emerges of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness and gentleness. And that seems to be in pretty short supply right now, doesn't it? And when Jesus is announcing the kingdom, he's saying, I'm calling you into the content of the kingdom, but I'm also calling you into an experience of life with me. And if you don't have an experience that you can say is tangibly connected to your faith where you're doing something with the expectation that God is actually doing it through me, then we still have more places to go in our walk with him. Doesn't mean we're part of the family, but it is... uh, it is a way of saying that, you know, I, I've got, I've got, you know, I've had older kids in my house. Uh, we, during COVID, we had all of them back. And my wife and I were cooking and cleaning and doing the dishes. And I sat back and I looked and I said, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have grown adults in this household. And we're killing ourselves here. We need to share the vision of what it means to run a house. And then, of course, we need to outsource some of these things, which was pretty nice until it was just Stephen. And then it's like, okay, now you get to handle all of that that your siblings left you with. Well, he's currently looking for a job (laughs) to be gainfully employed, to move out. But you see the burden that it puts on just a few people whenever you do that. And Jesus wants to expand on that so that we're all doing this together for him. And the knowledge of who Jesus is to you, what technically is called Christology, I'm sorry I use that word, that is how I understand who he is, will determine how I behave in relation to him. And... Jesus calls us into that space. He calls us. He never says, I want you to be a Christian. By default, that's sort of what we become, but he never says that. He always just says, follow me. Follow me. And as people are following him, they're part of his life and his world. And then he's saying, now I want you to participate in the things I'm doing. And they're saying, I'm interested in doing that. And then he's showing us how that happens. That's who Jesus was to them. And I believe that's who Jesus wants us to understand him to be as we relate to him as well. Who is Jesus to you? Jesus calls us to be people of faith. And he teaches us to express that faith through difficult situations. Now, they went out and they preached boldly and they did miracles and they did things that were reflective of his purposes. And then all of a sudden, they've got a situation in front of them and they're like, Jesus, we don't know what to do. And Jesus is saying, you depended on me for food there. And even under these conditions, you're saying, you can't depend on me? How high of a view of me do you have? And so they said, Jesus... We need to trust you to provide for us in this moment. And so he blessed the food, 
it multiplied, and everybody ate and was satisfied. The difference was that originally they acknowledged him as they followed him and they did the kingdom works. Here, now that he's shown up, we can take a break. We can watch. And Jesus is like, there's a lot of work to do and I'm not going to do it all. And you're not going to know even the significance of that work until you do it yourself. And my wife was, she's doing a little bit of repainting at her house, and she said, do you want to ask Stephen to help with some spackling, and I'll pick on him for just a minute. And I said, you know, I can show him, and I, it's terribly boring, and, um, and, and probably he'll not be that interested in doing even a good job. I could be wrong. But what will be interesting is when he gets his own place, and he says... Oh, we got to do this the right way. And all I can say is, whenever it, you have a stake in it, it's important. Whenever you don't, it doesn't matter. And Jesus is saying, I want you to have a stake in what I'm doing. Take it beyond just following me around and watching what I'm doing, but becoming doers of the things that you've seen me do. And so Jesus is putting us into difficult situations to test how much we trust. So let's just show that slide real quickly, just so we can embed it in our thinking. Every time that we attempt to do something for the Lord, it will require faith. It will require the trust that it can only be done through his strength. Whether you're trying to feed 5,000 people or whether you're trying to serve in the church whether you're trying to serve as a pastor or as a staff or as an elder or as a, as a teacher for people, you're going to have challenges. And the only way that you get through it is to trust in faith that as the testing occurs, it will only work if you depend on Jesus to enable. And that's across the board for all of us. Matter of fact, Paul writes about this in Ephesians as the church develops, and he says these words in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, beginning with uh, verse 11. He says, um, let's back up to the, to the slide right before that if we can. Um, now, to, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church the body of Christ, and this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And so God gives these five different categories of people to take the whole broad section of the church and say, how can we equip you? How can we equip you? How can we equip you? What is God gifting you to do? And what is it that God wants to do through us collectively as we use our gifts? And the vision has always been to engage his people. And so here's the question I want to ask, and I hope you're asking alongside me. What can Jesus do through me? And some of you may be saying, I could never do that even though you're calling me to do it. And Jesus wants to show us 
that what we do in his name can only be enabled by his power. And some of us may feel called to do a variety of things in the body or a variety of things outside of church that will create an impact for other people. And you have to spend some time listening to God in prayer and asking the question, Lord, what is it that you would have me do? And as I do this, I'm trusting that you will enable me to do it. What can Jesus do through me? Everything we do as followers must first be sourced in him before we can minister to others. So everything that we do in our lives together, we have to invite him in first. Every conversation, every, even as we gather for worship. How many of you guys said, Lord, help me to worship you with the right heart? And if you haven't done that, maybe that's how we're equipping you today. He's just saying, in this very fundamental experience to our lives, we have to come in with an expectation that even as we worship, the worship is enabled by him. And when that happens, that begins to expand into how Jesus is individually calling you in this season to be of, of, of help for other people at work in his kingdom, whatever it may be. The one thing that I've enjoyed coming back are, are the ideas that people are giving me of things that they can do. And I, I know there was some misunderstanding about the, um, the special days this year. Um, and, and I just want to say that um, our, our intent was not to shirk anybody, but just primarily focus on our dependence on the Lord. But as we move forward into other special days, a bunch of ideas came in on how we can not only recognize things that are happening that are meaningful and important to people in, 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 in our world, but also what we can do to be a kingdom presence in those different aspects. And an example would be for Veterans Day, we would find a way to perhaps plant a garden or do something that, um, that, that will add value in some way to families that are recognizing or remembering for like Memorial Day the lives of loved ones that have gone on. And all of those things are sourced in the Lord and used as a means to point back to the Lord. In everything that you do as a follower of Jesus, Jesus is day by day, week by week, calling us into different responsibilities. But my first question is, are you listening? Because there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of distraction. And if you can't separate from that, the signal that is out there that God is trying to give us is being corrupted by the noise of everything that's trying to keep that away from us. And sometimes, even when we gather in this room, I find because we're not distracted, we don't have phones, we don't have computers, we don't have a lot of stuff, the space between heaven and earth is pretty thin. And God 
speaks to our hearts and our minds and our spirits, maybe to lead us to change something, to repent of something that is getting in the way or that's becoming an idol. But he's also calling us in a space like this to consider what he wants to do through us in the week ahead. It might be tied to your job. It might be tied to your family. It might just be because I'm learning the Lord's Prayer that when I put my kids in bed at night, I'm going to teach them the Lord's Prayer. And then we're going to talk about what it means. And there are just so many ways that God is looking at different opportunities in your life and mine to showcase the life of Jesus that perhaps are not getting through because we're not taking the time to separate from everything around us and to listen. That was an awkward silence, wasn't it? Or was it? Well, as I end my message, I, I want to just invite you into this journey of asking the questions that we raise today. Who is Jesus to you? And it starts with him being our, our Savior. And perhaps you are in a space where you recognize, I need Jesus as my Savior. I need to turn away from things that I know that are doing damage to my soul, my relationships, and my connection to God. And I need to... I need to identify with him in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. And we want to help you out with that. Maybe God is saying, you've been sitting long enough. It's time to pay attention to the space I put you in and ask me in a fresh way, what can Jesus do through me here? And only you and the Lord can answer that question. But we can certainly help you process it if you need to. God, it isn't if God's going to do that. It's really God wants to do it for all of us. It's when we are open to seeing him work and then celebrating the awesomeness of just depending on him to do it. Well, I don't know where you're at, but I'm going to just close in prayer. And if there's anyone in the room that needs to have a little guidance to know how to move forward on that, please just see myself, Brian, Rich, or anybody that looks like they know what they're doing, which is many of you. And we want to help you and come alongside you. Would you bow with me? Father, as we look at the life of your son and we see just how much he means to us, we have been recipients of grace and mercy and forgiveness and things that are blessings that are too many to count. We are situated, Lord, in a world that is tuning you out more and more yet filling that void is so much chaos and fear and uncertainty. Lord, I just pray for each of us in this room that we'd be called back to a space where we have eyes of faith 
And in a place like this, a, a sanctuary from the world, where we can tune to you through your Holy Spirit, Lord, help us hear that still small voice saying, this is a direction you can go. Trust me, ask me to help, ask me to work, and I'll show you the way. Lord, I just pray that everyone in the room would take that new posture as we've taken time to see things differently through this gospel. Thank you for giving us this space to be able to do that together. And thank you for the hope that we have, that it's not all for nothing, but rather you are doing something. And you, you call us to do it with you. So even as I've given this message, Lord, I know that it is not within my capacity to give it alone. But I thank you for helping me as I've asked you to help me to say what I need to say. And whatever it is that has honored you, I pray that it would stick with each of us. And I just know that that is the prayer for everyone that's serving today and will be serving this week. So thank you, Father. And just deliver those of us who need to be brought out of darkness and into your kingdom to turn away from those things that become idols that tear us down and to turn towards the one who died on a cross inviting us to a table and saying whether there's 5,000 or 50 or 100 not concerned about vetting the crowd not concerned about whether our hands are clean or impure not concerned about anything at all except showing us your invitation to your banquet Father just bless us as we seek to be your people and do your works through you and in you in Jesus name Amen. something out of nothing let there be light and there was this same God was feeding everybody lunch he was showing us who he is I pray that that light would dawn on our hearts today and the greatest provision that God has given us is his son and that's an, that's what we come to remember now and he's to be laid hold of by faith that's the instrument by which we grab hold of the grace that saves us all done it's all there we can it's something we can rest in we just take hold of it and so that's what we're doing when we come to communion and we remember as Christ commanded us to through the elements in hand the wine and the bread we remember the broken body we remember the shed blood because that's God's provision for sinners like us father your word says, just to 
reiterate through the Apostle Paul what we've just spoken about. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested. It's appeared. It's come. It's Christ. Old Testament saints were saved by looking forward to the promised Messiah, counting on those promises. We, the New Testament saints, are saved by looking back at the finished work of Christ Jesus. He's come. The righteousness of God has been manifested, put forward, shown, revealed, apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Your word says that. All means us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are saved by your grace, are justified by your grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. You did this passing over sins and putting all of that passing over, all of that withholding of wrath and punishment, you poured it on your son so that you would not pour it on us when we believe that wrath is removed from us attributed to your son and his righteousness is attributed to us and we grab hold of that by faith because that is by far our biggest problem and our greatest gift and greatest need may you draw our hands up to receive that today and thank you for this gospel that saves we don't have to do a thing there's no obeying our way into the kingdom it's all you providing the way in your son do this work in among us. Continue to do this work among us long after we leave today. But for some, pray that you would start now. May you help us on to you. In Jesus' holy name we pray.
and walk in you and be a people who live like what we believe is actually true because you are alive and breathing and present and you always will be. So thank you. This is far too wonderful for us to comprehend, but let us not not comprehend. Grant us help in this and boldness onto loving you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. All right. Go get your kids and we'll see you soon, all right?